My name is Monty McCullough. I'm one of the elders here, and it's, uh, it's my great joy to uh, bring the Word of God to you this morning. So peace. How would you define peace? What is peace to you? Is it the absence of conflict? Is it the absence of uncertainty? Is it the absence of feeling like everything is wrong? Is it the absence of evil? Is it the absence of something or is it the presence of something? Is it the presence of contentment? Is it the presence of kindness? Is it the presence of just feeling like you found yourself? Well, the dictionary defines peace as a state of tranquility or quiet, freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions, harmony in personal relationships. Um, It's also used as a greeting or farewell peace. I want to show you through Scripture how Jesus is the one who ultimately supplies the source of true peace. Pray with me, please. Father, there are some here who may be burdened with sorrows and pain. Some of them may be relational, and some of them may be physical. Some of us may be troubled, um, and there just seems to be no peace in sight, and we're desperate. I'm praying specifically, uh, Father, that your presence here this morning would be very real and palpable, a palpable presence that allows us to just exhale and breathe. Show us the hope, the hope that we have through the peace you provide. Speak through truth through your words. And now shine brightly as we may see you. And we ask these things in your son's powerful name, Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we're in our Advent series, anticipating the celebration of the arrival of God's one and only begotten son, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. He's born of a virgin, Emmanuel, God with us. This is the good news This is the gospel. We have been looking at the four announcements in the Bible that that are made concerning his arrival. The first announcement was an angel appearing to Mary telling her she was favored and she would have a child even though she was a virgin. His name would be Jesus and he would be the king from the line of David that would reign forever. Jesus, our king. The second announcement was from Mary singing praises to God when she went to visit her relative Elizabeth, who was advanced in years and pregnant with John the Baptist. When the pregnant Mary entered the room, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy, it says. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then Mary breaks out in song. And in this song, Mary announces that Jesus is coming to be our true joy. Jesus is our joy. The third announcement that we, we uh, had was the, in Zechariah's prophecy from John the, that John the Baptist, his son, he's also uh, Elizabeth's husband, that John the Baptist, when he was circumcised, he, the prophecy tells us that Jesus is coming to be our Savior. 
And not just that he was coming, but that he would reign forever and make all things new. Jesus is our Savior. This fourth announcement is a combination of the angels to the shepherds and a righteous and devout man named Simeon who blesses God. These are the announcement that Jesus is our peace. So what sort of peace do you suppose Israel was expecting? Well, it was a conquering, ruling peace where all nations were defeated and living at peace with Israel, the undisputed supreme nation of nations, the undisputed heavyweight champion. So please turn in your Bibles to Luke 2. We'll also have it on the screen. We'll be starting in verse 8 and continue through verse 33. This is a very familiar passage with us. We, obviously, we read it every year at this time of year. And it's also been in, in movies, and it's even in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Um, but I encourage you to hear it with an emphasis on this theme of peace. So four, four questions I want to answer today. Where does the peace originate? What makes this peace different? What makes this peace our hope? And how do we acquire this peace? So starting in Luke 2, verse 8. And in the same region, uh, the region was that area surrounding Bethlehem. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock at by night. It was night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto us and unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there, were, um, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph, and the baby was lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, 
and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, the law of the Lord is in Leviticus, and Leviticus tells us that law says that when the, when the woman comes for, for her purif- after her purification, she's to bring a lamb as a burnt offering and either a turtle dove or a pigeon as a sin offering, unless she can't afford a lamb. And here we're told that Mary brought two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and one for a sin offering. Mary and Joseph were poor. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem, verse 25, whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Consolation of Israel. Consolation is, is given to us when we, when we um, have been oppressed or are um, suffering, and it's a, it's a comfort. So he's waiting on this comfort to come to this oppressed Israel. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. And for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to the people of of Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. So this week, this week we celebrate the arrival of this king. And on the first Advent Sunday, we read from Isaiah 9, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of this government and of his peace, there will be no end. Jesus here is called the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his peace, there will be no end. Of the increase of his peace... There will be no end. Later in Isaiah, in 26, we're told of God, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. So we're told that God will keep him in perfect peace who keeps his mind on God. Because they trust him. And then in Isaiah 54, we're told the mountains may depart, And the hills may be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall never be removed. Says the Lord, who has compassion on you. In our passage today, we read that an angel suddenly appeared to the shepherds. This is at night. And they lit lit this place up. And the shepherds were very important people that ran nations, right? No. They were shepherds. They were basically a disrespected bunch, 
Most people, you know, most people regarded them as, as thieves, pretty much. And an angel appeared to them specifically saying, fear not. The angel declared to the shepherds that there is good news of great joy that will be for all people. Say all people. A Savior who is Christ the Lord is born. The Messiah that was prophesied of old. They were given a sign. The shepherds were given a sign. The sign did not come to leaders. The sign came to those who God would use to announce his son. God uses who he wants to use. And his news brings joy and peace. The sign was that the baby would be wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. And of course, the shepherds knew this. Then all of a sudden, there appeared a multitude of angels, heavenly hosts, who were praising God and declaring that because of this announcement that the Christ was born, there would be peace among those with whom God is pleased. Who do you suppose pleases God? That's worth thinking about. Is it those who do great and mighty things for him? Or is it those who believe him and humbly obey? In haste, the shepherds went to this Christ child and they declared all that they had been told. They actually went to seminary first or they went to this program that teaches them how to evangelize and they did all these things. No, in haste, they went and told everything that had been told them. And all who heard it wondered. Then we read in the passage, the event of Simeon seeing the baby. He takes him in his arms and also glorifies God. Then he says to God, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Why was he able to depart in peace? In verse 30, he tells us. He says, for, which means because, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He's holding the salvation. He then tells again, tells again that this is for all peoples, Gentiles and Israel. That's all people. Say all people. One of the great Christmas hymns that we sing every year is Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I want you to listen to the theology proclaimed in this, in this hymn that we sing every year. I'm not exactly going to read exact word for word for you, but you'll get the idea. Because <laughs> hopefully it's up there anyway. So, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Listen. These messenger angels are singing glory to the newborn king. Peace is coming to earth with a mild mercy. 
God and sinners will be reconciled. Joyful, everyone, rise, sing with the angelic host in the skies. Sing, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Listen, the the messenger angels are singing glory to the newborn king. Christ in highest heaven, he's adored. Christ, he's the everlasting Lord. Offspring of the favored one. He's veiled in flesh, but he's the Godhead. He's an incarnate deity. And he is a man, and he's pleased to dwell with men. Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, the angels are singing. Hail, praise the newborn king, the heaven-born prince of peace. Praise the son of righteousness, the son of God. Light and life he brings to everyone. He's risen. When he rose from the dead, he's risen with healing in his wings. He mildly, he laid his glory by, like a sheep going to, the she- the, to, the, to be shorn. Born that man no more may die. He was born to raise us, to give us a second birth. Listen to the angels singing. Peace on earth, God and sinner reconciled. Heaven of peace, bringing light and life, healing, and no more that man may die. Given a second birth. We're told in 1 Peter 1 that angels long to look into the things that man has been graced. They marvel at what we have in the redeeming relationship with Christ, who is mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, that we are even called sons of God, heirs made in the image of God. They long for this. Jesus even tells parables of a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And in all cases, when they are no longer lost, but they're found, Jesus tells us there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There's rejoicing in heaven, and the angels long to look into these things. The angels who are announcing these things are ecstatic at the news, and I think we play it down as if they're just telling us. So where does this peace originate? Last week, we also read in Luke 1 of Zechariah's prophecy that John the Baptist will be called the prophet of the Most High, for he will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness, who sit in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So we see in this declaration that Jesus is bringing salvation to God's people in the forgiveness of their sins because of God's tender mercy, whereby... The sunrise shall come visit us from on high. Why? To give light to those who sit in darkness. Who don't have peace. 
and to guide our feet into the way of peace. John the Baptist proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus came to be our king, a servant king, who comes to give us joy in following him, and the result is the way of peace. That's the way of peace. What is the way of peace? Let's go back to the beginning of that sentence. It's the knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. That's the way of peace. So the prophecy is proclaiming that peace comes from reconciliation with God. Reconciliation between God and sinner. Forgiveness of the sinner's sin before a holy God. So what makes this peace different? Jesus tells his disciples, and this is important, he's talking to his disciples, his followers. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. What kind of peace is he talking about? In John 16, he says, I have said these things to you that in me, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And someone out there may be saying, okay, Monty, I, I hear what you're saying, but didn't Jesus also say, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth? I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. It says, for I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. What about that? Isn't that kind of contradictory? No, it's not, because Jesus, when he says, I'm going to leave peace with you, is talking to his disciples, his followers. When Jesus says this, he's talking about the world. You can even follow the progression in the Sermon on the Mount. When you get down to the last three of them, when he says, blessed be the peacemakers, for they shall be sons of God, he then says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. He's not making up any, he's not making any bones about it. In the world, you will have trouble. There will be tribulation. Blessed are those, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. We're blessed if we're peacemakers. We'll be called sons of God. Matthew 5, he also says this. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Not so. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, so you may be a peacemaker. Paul also tells us in Romans, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Paul is basically telling us what this road to peace is like. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. 
So peace comes not through circumstances changing in your life so that you are less hassled. That's not where peace comes from. Peace comes through reconciliation with God, and this is only possible through the Christ, the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Belief in Jesus as Christ and a Savior who washes away sin reconciles us to God. Your sin, then, is no longer your burden. Knowing that causes us to realize this peace that allows us to freely follow and obey the Lord without the strife of conflict, without uncertainty, without feeling like we're in the wrong, but freely follow and obey the Lord with the presence of contentment, kindness, and finding ourselves in the way of peace. So what makes this peace our hope? Well, my beautiful wife, Lori, and, uh, and I are in our 39th year of marriage. We've been blown away time and time again in our marriage at what a treasure God becomes as our sin that is forgiven comes more and more into the light. I've told part of our story before about how the Lord turned my heart to serve and love Lori after 12 years of a, a rocky marriage. And I also told how the Lord, um, I told the Lord um, at that time that if it took 12 more years to teach Lori that I do care and love for her, that I was in the marriage for 12 more years if it's what it took to turn that around. Well, here's some more of that story. It did take 12 years. Lori and I had grown tremendously in our faith and in our love for one another during those 12 years. But Lori ended up, she went to a women's retreat at McLean Bible Church. And the theme of this retreat was called, For Such a Time as This. And it was based on the book of Esther. When Lori got home, I asked her about the retreat while we were eating dinner together. And she mentioned a statement that one of the speakers made saying, be on your guard and because when you step out of the light, it isn't a matter of if you will get shot down. It's, it's a matter that you will get shot down. So I asked her if she had ever been shot down. And she said, of course. I asked her when, how. And so she just beat around the bush with a lot of little comments about things and for some reason, I just kept pushing because there was obviously something that she wasn't saying. Well, she said a quick prayer to God within her heart. I mean, she told me about this later. She said a quick prayer within her heart to God saying, Okay, God, for such a time as this. Then she told me, and I have permission <laughs> to tell you that before we dated, she had an abortion. Her mother took her to have this abortion and insisted upon it and even had Lori use her name, Barbara, instead of Lori wearing her own name during this whole process. And then she told her, the mother told her, 
we will never speak of this again. And so they didn't. Now, don't get me wrong. Understand that Lori and her mother were extremely close. They talked almost every day. This was her mother's way of trying to care for her. And in her own way, trying to forgive and forget. But there was silence for 26 years. Lori never speaking of it to anyone. She was also in fear of what would happen if I found out. So the Lord put it on her heart to tell me and let the chips fall where they may. He put a hope in her heart. At that point, when I learned this after 24 years of not knowing, the Holy Spirit filled me. When I needed him to. And he compelled me to just get up. Go hold her. And cry with her. It was God responding through me. When I needed it. And when she needed it. This burden that was on her. Had been lifted completely. Received in love. And replaced with peace. And now a path to joy. How does a person hold on to such a weight and pain? God is good in so many ways. He knew that if her husband, me, he knew that if I knew that information before we got married or early in our marriage, I was just selfish and evil enough that I would have used it as a weapon against this precious child of God. He protected her. He answered her prayers. 26 years is a long time. He answers prayers. And he protects. He freed her and redeemed our marriage. Where Lori was at peace and could love without fear. Now I became a different story after that. Lori and I grieved over the fact that she had held on to that weight for so long, that her mother had held on to that weight for so long, that her sister had held on to that weight for so long, and we grieved over the child, and just horizontal relationships. Then I went into a kind of depression. I don't know what else to call it other than that. I got to the point that I did not like being left alone with my thoughts Sometimes I had to have a three-hour commute out to Ocean City, and I just did not like that. And it was like there was now introduced into the relationship infidelity. There wasn't. But that's what it felt like for me. And I knew better, but I didn't know what to do in my heart. I knew too much about Jesus to think ill of Lori but I had this depression. Where was peace at that moment? My hope, though, was in Jesus. It was. Lori called a dear pastor friend of ours in Pennsylvania 
and arranged for me to go spend a Saturday with him. He would have done this anyway. We were good friends. We spent a lot of time together in the years before. But it was counseling, and I needed it. I'm not sure that I ever spent as long crying as I did that day. The Lord did a miracle. He answered Lori's prayer, and my own burden was lifted. I drove home at peace with a path to joy because he reminded me where that came from. Jesus really is the Prince of Peace. He is everlasting in his love. He is our hope for this peace. Sin alienates us from God and one another. Sin makes us the enemies of God and casts us into constant conflict with other people. Some of you may be stressed because Christmas brings families together. And that time is not always stress or conflict free. In fact, many times it just does not end well because of this conflict. And maybe it's a burden being carried like Lori was carrying that just holds this chasm in place. And nobody knows why. Sin cuts us off from the two communities of love that we were created to live in. The loving and worshipful community with God and loving community with others. Sin only makes us better liars and fighters, not lovers. Sin is antisocial. It is fundamentally destructive to the relationships that are to shape our lives. This peace is our hope. So how do we acquire this peace? I'm going to try to close it. <laughs> we desperately need peace, don't we? But it often seems as if there's no peace to be found. This is why Isaiah's prophecy of the Prince of Peace has, who has to come was so important, so exciting, and so encouraging. The world was groaning and burdened and broken by vertical and horizontal relationships and conflict. The world and the people in it could not fix themselves. You and I cannot fix ourselves. Peace seems to be a distant and delusional hope sometimes. You may feel that way now in your life. You may be holding on to a burden that will not let you have peace. God announced a solution. It would not be a negotiation. You do this, I'll do that. It would not be a call to action. Just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and march forward, damn the tor torpedoes and full speed ahead. No, it's not going to be a strategy for peace either. Get up in the morning, read your Bible, have your prayer time, do this, do this religious activity, do that. It's none of that. God's solution would come in a gift. His son, he would, be, he would bring the peace that eludes our grasp. He would live the life that we could not live, fulfilling God's requirement. He would bear our punishment, satisfying God's anger. He would rise from the grave, defeating sin and death. He would do it all so that we could experience what we could never have achieved, earned, or deserved, peace with God. And peace with God is the only road to lasting peace with one another. It is only when the peace of God, 
It's only when the peace of God rules my heart that I can know real peace with you. And it is only when peace of God rules your heart that you can know real peace with others. This is the good news of the gospel. In the words of Paul Tripp, peace came, peace lived, peace died, peace rose again, peace reigns on your behalf, peace indwells you by the Holy Spirit, and peace graces you with everything you need. Peace convicts, forgives, and delivers you. Peace will finish his work in you. See, peace isn't a faded dream. No, peace is real. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. And I will remind you that it's for all people. Say all people. No one, no one is beyond the power of the risen Christ. He isn't waiting for you to be a good user of your time and get your Bible mojo working. He's not going to love you anymore because you do that. You might end up loving him more because you do that. This news is for all people. God and sinner reconciled. Paul tells us this in Romans. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the peace that Jesus leaves us. Peace from reconciliation with God. Free to follow him in obedience and humility. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. If there anybody here who does not know this peace, does not know Jesus, I'd love to talk with you. Anybody here at Grace Hill would love to talk to you about that. Please consider what you've heard in the appearance of the Christ child. To walk among us and to do the work on the cross to pay for your sins. He did that to lift the burden of sin so that you could have peace and joy. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul says this, and I leave it with you. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you the peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. Will you please pray with me? Father, thank you so much for sending your son. Lord, many of us have burdens that we just can't lift on our own. Yet we don't know how to let go of them. We don't know how to release them so that um, we are free to walk in that path of peace and joy. But we desperately want that, Lord. Remind us on a moment-by-moment basis, that you, Lord, you have provided that for us. You've done the work. You're just asking us to believe and obey and humbly follow. Lord, we ask that you would uh, just give us a great joy this holiday season as we come together various times as families. Lord, we, I ask for your peace upon all families here that, Lord, you would shine greatly and we would see that light. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.